The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Christ. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Yet let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one, the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to you. Generous God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Inspirer. Amen. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. 
rather than try to incorporate a familiar Scottish song about the high road and the low road, or attempt to interpret Robert Frost's original intention when he wrote about two roads diverging in a yellow wood. I'll try to bring us into the scene by providing a little bit more of the backstory. As I consider that mountaintop overlooking the promised land in Deuteronomy, I'll return to my grandparents. After all, as people of the way, our faith is defined in part by the guidelines along the path followed by our ancestors, both spiritual and physical, because it is their footsteps, literal and figurative, their highways and byways that serve as the prologue to the streets and sidewalks of our lives. We are born along these winding roads, and our upbringing determines our automatic imprinting about what to expect in terms of how to interpret and follow the instructions found in the good book as well as the unwritten oral tradition of our faith. Whether we are aware of it or not, we are always selecting roadmaps of one kind or another to guide us on our path. And a little intentionality in this process can help us. As said before in pastoral counseling meetings, that tracing the roots of one's family tree and telling as many stories as possible including the good, the bad, and the ugly, can actually be an exercise in compassion. Compassion for our family members amid the trials they escaped or endured with varying degrees of success. Compassion for the human condition in all its diversity of brokenness. Compassion for ourselves as inheritors of such brokenness alongside the new life that shows up with every new day. Signs of life as reminders that death does not have the last word. We might or might not always notice the gradual increase of light in this season of epiphany, but it is coming. Healing is on the way. and We can learn more about our current pathway and calling if we study the crossroads and choices that our ancestors faced and made. I, for one, know my grandfather and grandmother faced a lot of difficult choices in their lives, and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to visit both of them in the days before they departed this mortal coil, to support them and be blessed by their presence and words of wisdom. In different ways, their words of life have stayed with me even to today. After all, in our first reading, we are in the final chapters of Deuteronomy and the very end of the first five books of the Bible the central Torah of Hebrew tradition. Moses is giving a kind of deathbed blessing to those who had followed him through the desert to the Jordan River as the people preparing to enter the the land at long last. Moses is aware that he wouldn't be able to enter that promised land with them, but he'd been to the mountaintop. He'd been blessed to see the landscape unfolding below. And he was encouraging everyone to love the Lord their God by following the way. Indulge me in a personal aside, if you will. With the additional baby in the picture now, Haley and I recently updated our wills, along with related documentation about financial power of attorney and advanced health care directives and health care power of attorney. Much of this was about as mundane, as significant, and significant as you might expect. 
but part of the online form we filled out invited us to describe the kind of funeral service and burial we might like. You'd think I would have already done this a long time ago, given my chosen profession so many years ago, but I had not, and I found myself wondering what hymns, songs, scriptures, and liturgies do I actually hold closest? What has sustained me and what might be sustaining for the future for those who would attend my funeral? At one point, a St. Georgian actually suggested putting together an ethical will to write down those values and ethics that one hopes to pass along to the next generation. As a counterpoint to the perhaps more detail-oriented questions found in a traditional will. But I wonder if our funeral could actually be considered to be a kind of prayerful will, a collection of scriptures and prayers for those who will follow us. I remember a wise teacher in my life sharing once about how we can find ourselves filling our prayer lives with long lists of stuff that we want whether stuff for ourselves or stuff for others, whether the less quantifiable stuff of good health, good relationships, stronger faith, more disciplined prayer practices, a more nuanced and wise understanding of life, or the more physically tangible stuff that can actually be harder to deal with as it accumulates. In a best-case scenario, our prayers for more can be an opportunity to interrogate Interrogate what exactly the abundant life might look like and involve for us in this day and age. I'm thankful that our liturgy actually gives us a framework and guideline for our prayers. We don't have to do it all on our own. In the Episcopal Church, the Book of Common Prayer is the primary guideline. The Church's teaching is that lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Praying shapes our believing, which in turn shapes our living. In other words, the guidelines of prayer shape the guidelines for where we will place our trust, which in turn shapes the direction of our lives. Are we moving towards kindness, towards peace, towards excellence, towards ministry? These are the places God has promised to meet us, as difficult as they may be sometimes. I wonder if in between all our requests there is space for prayer to begin to imagine what it might be like to hear God, things from God's perspective. Before his retirement, Bishop Shannon opined at one point that the church's inspired and inspiring support for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals, not to mention the church's blessing for same-sex marriages in recent decades, has in some ways involved the most seismic change in the church since the Civil War. For me, growing up, the kind courage shown by my lesbian, gay, and bisexual friends allowed me to appreciate their particular gifts for healthy relationships, a gift that could be embodied and shared. Even in our gospel this morning, Christ was preaching from the Ten Commandments, calling out unfaithfulness and malice and sin at their source. And while Moses may have already gone to be with God, those good guidelines, those ten good guidelines, handed down during his lifetime, live on. As we strive to live into our calling to be the church for our current day and age, Moses' parting blessing, Moses' final speech, his closing words of encouragement, they still ring true. They are an ethical will and a deathbed blessing and a challenge all wrapped into one. That amid the imperfections, 
imperfections and brokenness of our lives and in our world. The grace of God is such that we can persist in choosing the good road, one day at a time. As best we are able, trusting that in the incarnation and resurrection, God is bridging the gap between heaven and earth, between our weak prayers and heaven's powerful and undeserved and miraculous salvation at work in our lives. See, I have said before you today, life and prosperity, death and adversity. 